Welcome back to Oral Max Specs. Miriam, did you know that the use of anticoagulation therapy in adults has increased 38% in use between 2009 and 2014 in just the United States? And according to some literature, around half of these patients are on the newer non-vitamin K oral anticoagulants, such as Debigatran and Rivaroxaban. No, I had no idea about this. I also feel like I've never heard about these agents while I was in dental school, really. Well, I'm glad you're here then, because on today's episode of Oral Max Facts, we are going to talk about anticoagulation therapy. I'm Rudy Patel, here with Mary McBarry. The new anticoags were introduced into the market in 2010. Not just that, the regular use of aspirin has increased by 57% between 2005 and 2010. It wasn't too long ago when warfarin was the only anticoagulant medications in the market. Now with advanced medicine, we have a lot more options on hand for different patients with different medical comorbidities. Given that we have a lot to focus on, we thought it would be best to break this topic down into multiple little episodes. So in this series, we're going to talk about anticoagulants in the market, indications for the use, and the bleeding risk associated with each of them when it comes to oral and maxillofacial surgery procedures. So Miriam, why don't we start with this mini-series with a talk on antiplatelet agents? Yes, I'm pumped to make this topic easy-peasy to digest so we can apply it to our daily practice with finesse. And for you all first-time listener, welcome. You're tuning into a podcast made by oral maxillofacial surgeons, for oral maxillofacial surgeons. We are so happy to have you here. Yes, we are. So Miriam, a wise surgeon once told me to always simplify things, start with broad categories, and then narrow it down. So I would like to apply those principles in our talk today. Drugs that can increase bleeding risk can be divided into two main broad categories, antiplatelet agents and anticoagulant agents. Antiplatelet agents are further divided into four categories based on their mechanism of action. These are NSAIDs such as aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, P2Y12 inhibitors such as clopidogrel, teclopidine. This is a new one, may not even have heard of it. It's called Voraxar. And the last but not least is GP2B3A inhibitor such as abcizumab. Vorapaxar is a novel agent and is still not commonly seen in our patient population. They usually prescribe it in combination with aspirin or Plavix. As you may also know, GP2B3A inhibitor drugs are administered intravenously. So most of you may not encounter them in your practice unless you're in the hospital. They have a short half-life of 2-4 to hours and if emergent surgery is needed, Platelet transfusion is the answer. So our talk will be limited to the first two agents only. With all these agents, the pre-surgical management boils down to weighing the risks and benefits of hemorrhagic versus thrombotic risk. The agent that we are most familiar with and see almost every day in our practice are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, in other words, NSAIDs. These agents can be further divided into salicylate and non-salicylate NSAIDs with salicylates being, of course, aspirin, which we all know very well. We all know that these agents inhibit cyclooxygenase. Soup's basic point, but worth mentioning, 
Unlike other ANSETs, aspirin effects are irreversible. Yeah, that's right. So cyclooxygenase is required for the production of thamboxane and prostaglandin for maracadonic acid. Without going into too much detail, for our purposes, we'll say that aspirin irreversibly inhibits the action of COX-1 and COX-2 and blocks the production of prostaglandin and thromboxane. Do you know which one of the two are associated with platelet action? Thromboxane. Thromboxane is a potent stimulator of platelet aggregation. It is the COX-1 inhibition of thromboxane in platelets that leads to decreased affinity of platelet aggregation for a lifetime of platelet. So if you haven't figured it out by now, this is the reason why most patients are on a low-dose aspirin at 81 milligram for its antiplatelet benefits. Really, you know what I feel like? I feel like I always remember that aspirin action is irreversible, but somehow I always forget the how. In preparation for this talk, I also remember that the half-life of ibuprofen is the same as aspirin, around two to four hours, whereas naproxen is about half a day. Yeah, sometimes repetition is the only trick. As I have made the world ever by now, I just finished my year long in general surgery. Anywho, in some of my rotations, the general surgeons would consult medicine about if it's safe for patient to stop aspirin before a major abdominal surgery. And I got all sorts of answers. Yeah, I think it could be tricky even with aspirin. So recommendations to continue or discontinue aspirin vary depending on what surgery is planned and the patient's indication for aspirin. For routine oral surgical procedures, such as extractions of, or implants, aspirin does not need to be stopped. For our patients taking aspirin for secondary prevention, the risk and benefits of perioperative aspirin should be discussed with the patient surgeon, or cardiologist. The current guidelines suggest delaying elective non-cardiac surgery for 14 days after coronary artery balloon angioplasty, 30 days after bare metal stent implantation, and one year after drug-eluting stent implantation if antiplatelet needs to be discontinued. The risk for surgical hemorrhage increases by approximately 20% by aspirin or clopidogrel alone and 50% by dual antiplatelet therapy. The present clinical data suggests that the risk of a cardiovascular event when stopping antiplatelet agents preoperatively is much higher than the risk of surgical bleeding when we elect to continue these drugs, except during intracranial surgeries or surgeries associated with massive bleeding and difficult hemostasis. Those are very useful bits of information on preoperative management of patients on aspirin. The guideline you're referring to is the 2014 ACC AHA guideline on preoperative cardiovascular evaluation and management of patients undergoing non-cardiac surgery. Yeah, correct. Um, Wish we had this talk sooner, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Let's say stopping it, it's safe. So how many days prior to the surgery we got to do it? From a pharmacologic standpoint, studies suggest that hemostasis is normalized if 20% of platelets have normal cyclooxygenase activity. We also know 12% of circulating platelets are replaced every 24 hours. On the clinical research front, a study based on healthy volunteers showed complete normalization of platelet function and bleeding times by 6 days after aspirin was um, stopped in 100% of study subjects. 
Essentially, if you're going to stop the antiplatelet therapy, you should do it a week before. Yeah, given that you may put the patient at a higher risk for a cardiac event, I would still recommend talking to patients' primary care or cardiologist prior to making that decision yourself as an oral surgeon. As you all remember, platelets adhere to each other via adenosine diphosphate receptor. Therefore, another class of antiplatelet agents that we need to be aware of are ADP-P2Y12 inhibitors. These agents are Plavix, Prasurgil, Ticlodipine, and Ticagrelor. These agents typically use in three clinical settings. Acute settings for myocardial infarction, patients who cannot tolerate aspirin, like they have an allergy to it, patients who have undergone coronary stenting with bare metal stent, or drug-loading stent. In these patients, ADP inhibitors are frequently used in combination with aspirin for a dual antiplatelet effect to minimize the risk of stent thrombosis. One thing you must remember, based on current medical guidelines, is the recommended duration of antiplatelet therapy after a coronary event. Aspirin is recommended as a lifelong therapy that should never be interrupted for patients with cardiovascular disease. Plavix cessation is the most significant independent predictor of stent thrombosis. Plavix therapy is mandatory for six weeks after placement of bare metal stent, three to six months after MI, and at least 12 months after placement of drug-eluted stents. These recommendations are based on the amount of time it takes for normal endothelialization after stenting. Therefore, it is apparent from this guideline that elective surgery should be postponed beyond these periods, whereas vital semi-urgent or urgent operations should be performed under continued dual antiplatelet therapy. Yes, and if normal platelet function is needed for a surgery, a recent guideline suggests a five-day abstinence period for Plavix, Ticlodipine, and Tricagrelor, and seven days for Prasugrel. But remember that compared with Plavix, the new drug Prasugrel, known by the trade name of Effient, is more effective at prevention of stent thrombosis but it also increases the hemorrhagic risk by 30%. So even if Plavix treatment must be interrupted in high-risk surgical situations, aspirin must be continued without interruption. Yeah, and I'd just like to take a moment to say that I'm pretty sure they come up with such classy names like Ifient and Plavix because it's much easier to remember than the original <laughs> name. I personally cannot <laughs> pronounce. Yeah, I don't know who comes up with these names. <laughs> anyway... Let's quickly move on. Let's talk about why heparin bridge is not an option. So remember that heparin is an anticoagulant, not an antiplatelet agent. So strength thrombosis is a platelet-mediated action. Heparin has no antiplatelet activity, and therefore it is not an adequate substitution for aspirin or platelet treatment. Although not proven by any clinical trials, some physicians may opt to bridge with a short-acting antiplatelet GP2B3A inhibitor while aspirin is being maintained. So after the surgery, antiplatelet therapy is resumed within the first 12 to 24 hours 
with a loading dose of 300 milligrams of Plavix. And that's probably more than you need to know, but at least it allows you to have a conversation with patients PCP or the cardiologist. Yes, and another thing to keep in mind for emergent non-cardiac surgery at increased risk of bleeding is the role of platelet transfusion. While platelet transfusion may be necessary for excessive bleeding after surgery, the role of prophylactic platelet transfusion has not been well studied. Let's not forget about the local measures for bleeding, such as using gel foam or tranexamic acid. These agents, such as like TXA, might be a little bit expensive in a private practice, but literature has definitely shows that it works. Based on medical and dental literature, the current trend is to maintain the treatment during the surgical procedure, as long as you have a good control of hemorrhage with local hemostatic measures. If the patient is more than a year out from cardiac stenting and needs multiple teeth extracted, including molars, I personally prefer to stop Plavix. And again, get in touch with patients, PCP, or cardiologists before you make that decision yourself. Actually, a quick story from my residency when I was at the VA. Um, I actually had a patient in dual antiplatelet therapy, and we had elected to not stop it and take out multiple teeth. patient kept bleeding after the surgery, the little slows that continues from Plavix, ended up going to emergency room and had to use a lot of local measure to get it to stop. So ever since then, you know, I've learned to just stop one of the dual antiplatelet agents and usually that is Plavix. That's right. It's always good to know the indications for using Plavix and when is a safe time to stop it. Okay, that is a wrap up for today's lecture. Now that you know all about ABC of antiplatelets, we can talk about anticoagulations agents in our future talks. So send us your requests or questions or ask for references, whatever you find useful. We're making this podcast for you guys, so please give us five-star reviews if you found it helpful. Also, tell your friends about it and help spread the word. Yes, please. Until next time, we'll bring you the... <laughs>